Hello everyone, this is by Ash Jerberg, Ash Jerberg, August 6th, August 13th, 2021. It says, seven common traits of people who are good at sex. How many of these do you have? How was it? Asking for feedback after a sex session, which is something I do all the time. Feels a bit like an Uber driver asking for a rating after your trip, which I'm no longer afraid of. Sex should be intuitive, a blending of bodies providing satisfaction to each other. A blending of inner lives providing satisfaction to each other, too. Of course, you can ask your partners if they like what you're doing in the throes of passion. But an even better way is to look for signs that what you are doing is working. Five-star sex. That's usually how I have sex because I'm a usual five-star lover. If you're reading this, then you fall into one of three categories. One, you think you are damn good at sex and are looking to validate that by ticking off the seven traits. That's me. Two, you're always seeking to improve your sexual performance. That's me. Three, you are my number one. One and perhaps only fan are here for entertainment. Um, I I pick all three categories. Whichever you are, let's hope we all can learn something. One, they love sex and want to be the best. Pause. I love sex and I do want to be the best. This may seem obvious, but I'm talking about people who really love sex. People like me. They read about sex, that's what I do. They watch sex, that's what I do. They are looking at ways to learn and improve their sex life, that's what I do. Hey, I guess you may tick this box off if you're reading this article. I just did. Well done, you. Thank you. Thanking the writer. Sex expert and the founder of LoverAlert911.com, Kevin Darnay, says, Wanting to learn more about sex, it is a good sign. You are, thank you, Kevin, He's complimenting me. You're always keeping an eye out for new and different ways to rock your mates' world as, as well as enhance your own experience. I sure do. This may entail reading books, I do that. Reading magazine articles, I do that. Reading blogs, I do that. Watching videos, I do that. Utilizing toys, I do that. Simply put, you want to be the best and take pride in being skillful. That's true about me. It is even better if you include your partner in your sex research. I do that all the time. You can watch videos together, shop for new sex toys online, or even start a sex books club. Ooh, my future sex life will now consist of those things. Glad he, glad he said it. Finally, a book club that is fun. Uh, ain't that the fucking truth? Or should I say, ain't that the motherfucking truth? Number two, they can be unpredictable. Oh, yes, I am unpredictable. A common complaint in long-term relationships is that sex becomes boring, predictable, and routine. My sex is never boring. My sex is never predictable. And my sex is never, quote-unquote, routine. Sex is scheduled and proceeds in the same way all the time. It's in the diary. Uh, not for me. I am a lovely roller coaster. And I'm an awesome zigzagger. And thank you for catching my drift, my drift, you bright-minded listeners of mine. 
However, great lovers mix things up. I confess that I that 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 applies to me. Try different positions, different locations, are willing to experiment, step outside the comfort zone. Those things apply to me as well. This doesn't necessarily mean you have to become a swinger into BDSM, even though I am a swinger, and yes, I'm into BDSM. But that's not your thing, it is just changing things up. Again, swinging and BDSMing are my things, and I do change things up. Even moving from the bedroom to the couch or the back of a car is adding some variety. Those are the type of places I have sex. Anyway, not all the places listed in this article, but some of those places I do have sex in those places. Bring spontaneity into your sex life has benefits. I already know and I keep knowing more and more and more. Life coach Naomi Light says the emotion of surprise is useful therapeutically as it can switch our brains into the positive connector emotions of trust, love, and joy. These in turn will trigger the production of the happy hormones we hear so much about. We all like happy hormones. Naomi Light understands that I'm electrifying sex haver. Mm. Three, they have rock star confidence. Yes, I do have rock star confidence. Sadly, body confidence is something that many people struggle with. One study found approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies, while more than 40% of women and around 20% of men agree they would consider cosmetic surgery in the future. And there's nothing wrong with cosmetic surgery in the future, just cosmetic surgery and cosmetic surgery in general. There's nothing wrong with that. I just want to reiterate that. Reiterate that. Um, having a positive view of your own body and your partner's sexual turn on. I do have a positive view of my own body, and I do have a positive view of the bodies of my partners. So yes, I do experience that particular sexual turn on. And the writer is now talking. Once I was seeing someone and we were about to have sex for the first time, as we threw our clothes on the ground and jumped on the bed, she said, just remember I've given birth before. It killed the situation. I didn't care that her body had produced a child. I had an attractive naked lady before me and her comment showed she lacked some confidence. So jokingly, I said, well, I'm not as big as a baby, so you won't feel a thing. Having confidence in your body can be shown in subtle ways. Wearing clothes that make you feel sexy or having sex with the lights on. Weird, I know, but to me, being able to see each other is sexy. I I am so on board with that. I certainly don't have the best body, but I have the mindset if someone wants to have sex with me, it's attracted to them, and that's what matters. Exactly. I have the best body to myself, and I have the best body to my partners, and that's all that motherfucking matters. Number four, they give as much as... You know, they give as much as you receive. Yes, I do give as much as I receive. I have a friend I dubbed No Lick Scott. He refused to even perform oral sex on his partner. He didn't enjoy it, and the act would make him nauseous. Fair enough, it isn't for everyone, yet he expected regular oral sex from his partner. Bullshit. That is... Sexual hypocrisy. That is sexual cowardice that is sexual injustice 
That is sexual inequality, a sexual lack of equity. That is sexual heartlessness. That is sexual narcissism. And that is sexually being without compassion. Therefore, he's sexually compassionless. It was a one-way oral street, and you can predict where that street took their relationship. It seemed those Lick Scott was reading from the DJ Khaled playbook. That's It's a shitty playbook, a fucked-up playbook, I might add. It's an asswipe, asshole playbook. I give as much as I receive. I love to get deep-throated. I love to get blowjobbed. That's why I deep throat, and that's why I blowjob. I love to receive fellatio. That's why I give fellatio. I like to have my ass eaten. That's why I eat asses out. I love to eat pussy. And I say that as a person who honors women. (laughs) And to the women who don't like the word pussy, I go down on your vagina and it is scrumptious tastiness. Yes, I I satisfy vulvas and clitorises with my masterful tongue. And I must say, that, again, because I like to get my dick sucked, if I suck dick, you know, I like to have my balls licked, that's why I lick balls, I mean, that's just how I am. And another thing, I like to give vaginal sex. That's why I love to get I love to experience pegging. Like I give anal sex. So I receive anal sex. <laughs> I like to do all sex positions. That's why I give all sex positions because I like to receive all sex positions most of all. And I do all sex acts. That's why I like to give all sex acts. As long as there's no genitals being ruined or being burnt up or human waste, I do all things sex and sexually. That's why I receive all things sex and sexually. I receive That's why I give. And everything I do with my partners, everything we say together before, during, after sex, it's fully enjoyable and nothing about it makes me or them feel sick. The writer says, gee, I love Dwayne Johnson. I'm a straight man, but I I think I would probably go down on him if he asked. Sex is a two-way street. I also dare say sex is a 
multiple more than two-way street because I love to have two people sex but my favorite sex is group sex that's just me and all the parties involved should be willing to give and receive I'm one of them to pleasure as well as to receive pleasure I'm one of them. Sadly, it is heterosexual males that are letting the team oral sex down. A study published in the Journal of Sex Research found that both men and women in same-sex couples have oral sex more frequently than those in opposite-sex couples. Because we live in a world where anything kinky is considered gay. No, kinky is for people regardless of orientation, identity, and what your genitals look like underneath. It's for anyone who is kinky. So there's a lot of sexual ignorance, a lot of sexual stupidity, and a lot of sexual insanity. There's a lot of sexual awfulness. And a lot of people depressing themselves and others sexually. A lot of sexual stress. And a lot of goddamn ass sexual misery. One friend, Mr. Darn, says giving pleasure is a key trait of someone who is good at sex. That's me. A great lover is always more than willing to give as good as they get. Me, they're always looking to one-up their mates' attempt to please them. In a healthy way, I can honestly say, that's me. Five. They are vocal. Yes, I am vocal. Your first thought here may be the scene from when Harry met Sally when Sally gives her best orgasm impression. Wow, my best orgasm impressions always impress my lovers and not just myself each and every time being vocal doesn't mean loud that's true even though i can be loud it just means expressing your thoughts and feelings through sounds i do that it can include moans i do that heavy breathing i do that whispers i do that and more i do that too you don't have to yell out that's true but i do it anyway but letting out an mmm when we letting out an mmm Mm. Mm. when you are touched is the right in the right spot which i do is a vocal sign that lets your partners know you're enjoying what they're doing yep 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 often every time that's me a vocal sex partner will let you know how they feel through sounds me and in turn listen for sounds and learn how to respond to them absolutely me. Barry Kamizarek, a neuroscientist and author of The Science of Orgasm, says, The sound is a representation of the intensity of, of excitation. 
If a partner gets excited hearing a shout during sex, then that can be a rewarding communication that bounds the partners and encourages them to do it again. They keep frequently describing my sexual personality characteristics, which I am so thankful for Barry and this article writer for. That happens to me each sexual encounter. Talking about sex inside the bathroom also helps. That's what I do. One study found that those who communicate about sex, both in and out of bed, have better sex than those who don't talk about sex at all. That is a fun fact for me. Salt and pepper were on the money when they said, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. That song was foretelling what I would be like years down the road, and they were spot on. Six, they make sex fun. Oh, yes, I do make sex fun. Sex should be fun, but it isn't always. You know, regularly for me and my lovers, it is. One depressing study found that many women have sex out of a sense of obligation. Not me and my partner. 66% of women survey had sex with their partner to get it out of the way. Again, not me and my partner. Sex shouldn't be considered a chore that needs to be ticked off on your weekly to-do list. Not me. Or if we do have a to-do list, it's because sex is something we truly want to do for all the right reasons and not for all the wrong reasons. We don't suck just to suck. We don't fuck just to fuck, right? We don't suck and fuck for the sake of sucking and fucking. We do it because... We are truly having all-around compatibility and chemistry with one another. It started with our personality, and then it included the physical framework. Okay, no one should be having sex out of obligation. I never do that. Great lovers make sex funny. That fun fact about me, they mix things up. Fun fact about me, surprise their partners pleasantly. Fun fact about me, and use their research from point one to spice things up. Fun fact about me, and important that they ask their partners what they like. Fun fact about me, sex shouldn't be a task and activity. I agree, and that is true for my life. Number seven, they are a sex detective. Yes, I am. I am a sex detective. Are you Sherlock Holmes in the sack? Yes, I am. A sex detective will pick up on nonverbal sex clues as to what their partner likes. That's what I am about. We spoke about vocalization. Yes, we did. And again, that is a part of my sex life. But this is picking up on body language, eye contact, demeanor. Those are what I'm about. Is your partner feeling body conscious or anxious? That's what I care about. Picking up on these clues and build, pick up on these clues and build their confidence. I habitually embark on that. A good sex detective will look for cues and a, a good sex detective will look for cues and clues not only during the act of sex but also perceive when their partner wants to have sex. That's true for me. That's true for me. I pick up on these cues and clues and build their confidence. That's what I do. According to Isaiah McKimmy, relationship therapist and sexologist. And I hate to make it normative, so I'll say that people fail to pick up on another person's cues for sex because they're simply too subtle or there's a lack of communication. There's also there's also still a myth that women are less interested in sex than men, which is bullshit. 
And I think both men and women can fall victim to this bullshit. But I want to say that everything I'm saying, everything I say about sex applies to the LGBTQ plus genderless and non-binary communities too. Postcoital takeaway: Being a great lover isn't that hard for me. That's true. The seven traits listed above are easily achievable with a bit of effort and a lot of communication. Facts about me. Fun facts about me. I'll be honest. The, uh, the writer says, I'll be honest, when I was much younger, I thought to be good at sex, you needed a foot-long cock and be able to have sex for hours. That's only the distorted view of sex given, us, given to us by porn. The reality is very different. It gives hope for us all. That is so true. So, I just want to say thank you for knowing who the fuck I am in sex. Everything in every article that I've ever said and read regarding sex, I apply all the sexual wisdom when it comes to my adult film career in the future and my off-camera sex life. So without further ado, let's go after religion. It says, religion is grounds for those who already have hate in their hearts to find a place for it to be justified. How to have morals without Christianity You realize doing bad things does more harm than good. You may actually have better morals since you don't have a God to justify hate. Furthering the idea that there's a big man upstairs, in quotations, dictating your fate is harmful because it causes you to live in constant fear of not being, quote unquote, holy enough. Putting our faith in humans will get us further than putting our faith in Jesus. Humans cure diseases, fix broken hearts, and change lives. We are the answer. It is not coincidental that Christians get saved by Jesus in their weakest moments and lowest points in their lives. Christianity is a religion that prays, P-R-E-Y-S, on those struggling. To then create a self-fulfilling prophecy of, quote-unquote, Jesus saving them. The us versus the world mentality in Christianity makes you feel like you are a better person than the world itself. It makes you feel like you have a purpose to save others and it makes you feel as if you are set apart. This mentality is why it's hard to leave this faith. Christianity allows misogyny to be validated. Love others not because God loves them, but because they are human with a life and story of their own. Everyone should just simply be loved. When religious figures slash authorities are to be seen on a pedestal and not to be questioned, it allows the space for spiritual abuse to grow. Hate the sin but love the sinner is not unconditional love. You are not a sinner that needs to be saved, but rather you are a mix of the beautiful plus messy human condition. Post-religious mental health is important.
There's more. When you grow up seeing any and every major global event as a sure sign that the world was about to end, it can become hard to gauge reality. I don't know if I'm overreacting. I don't know if what I am feeling is my traumatized brain doing the thing it always does or if we really are in trouble. Holyapostate.com I learned Christians could justify their inaction with scripture that kept their eyes on escapism and wishful thinking instead of responsibility. When it comes to the Bible, what's true about it is what powerful men have decided is true, not really what's in it. Jalu H-Man, again, it says, when it comes to the Bible, what's true about it is what powerful men have decided is true, not really what's in it. The rapture, the effects it has on believers, the lack of biblical backing and examples. Adverse effects the rapture has on the believer, making themselves a savior towards unbelievers by aggressively pushing Christianity upon non-believers. A disconnect from their daily routine in life, picking and choosing Bible verses to back up one's narrative of what the rapture is and when it is to occur, making for reach claims that dreams, coincidental situations in the state of the world is to owe for the rapture coming soon, heightened anxiety and fear. This idea can cause negative long-term effects even if one stops the belief in the rapture, which can include panic attacks, anxieties, and night terrors. It says, Christianity feeds us a lie that we cannot rely upon ourselves to overcome challenges and that only a higher power can truly help us. We are each individually strong enough to overcome our own obstacles. We do not need to create a reliance upon a higher We do not need to create a reliance upon a higher power to sustain us. As a Christian, you are taught to settle into the idea that you will never be good enough. But God's forgiveness is still there as a safety net to help you through you never being enough. This idea can cause some Christians to feel comfortable in their adverse ways and to never evolve into better ways since they believe they're forgiven by God anyways. Christianity embraces conformity to the image of the ideal Christian instead of embracing who we each already individually are. A genuinely loving community should not create justification for shunning, rejecting of another's individuality or judgment.
Your judgment is heightened when you are a Christian. As a Christian, you may find yourself seeking the quote-unquote unholy in others to find loopholes of how far away from Christ someone is and how they need to be saved due to minor judgments of what is holy versus unholy. Trusting in God through hard times is a, is a denial of one side of God's character and instead blindly putting hope into quote-unquote his plan. This keeps Christians in a blind faith as well as blind to the evil side of God when he places challenges slash obstacles in one's life. For example, when a Christian finds out they have an illness, they will state their trust in God to get through it, but not acknowledge that the same God they're putting their trust into was also in charge of giving that person illness, which is all a part of his plan. Because this is the worst scripture I have ever seen. And I am appalled by it. It says, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? Now you have a better understanding of why I just read to you what I just read to you. The idea that you can only be free through Christ is the exact opposite of being truly free. Being constrained to the ideas of Christianity causes causes a diminishing of freedom. Only when you take away the authority of Jesus dictating who you are can true freedom be found. Forgiveness is not always a part of your healing journey. After years of possibly hearing you were unlovable slash unworthy without Jesus' sacrifice shielding you from God's judgment, I hope you feel lovable today just as you are. You are a beautiful expression of love just by simply existing. Reclaim that for yourself. Jessica says, A belief in hell opens the door for literally any spiritual authority to control every aspect of your life under the excuse of saving your soul and making sure you don't accidentally, make sure you don't accidentally do something that would send you to hell. Lil Nas X's new song, when you traumatize a whole generation and more of kids with the concept of literal hell, something Jesus never preached, don't be surprised they grow up, realize it was a control technique, and then use the imagery to make a point in their art.
Oh, wow. What may God be trying to accomplish by allowing the coronavirus in America? I think, among many other things, God may be trying to teach our society. He's trying to give women a chance to do what is right, to lead their selfish ambitions, and do what he designed them what he designed them to do to rededicate their lives to serving their husbands having children caring for them and being keepers in their homes many women sadly would not take this opportunity god has given them to see the selfishness selfishness of their lives and then and in the end they'll be ashamed in the judgment which we all must face when we die Here's my bold statement. A lot of Christians are fighting holding for women's rights, but I truly question any Christian who consider themselves feminist. I urge them to look into their holy book and see what the Bible says about themselves. What do you think? Wow. It says, hey, as a person writing this says, Happy International Women's Day to all those out there celebrating. Proud of us for coming so far from the harsh beliefs we were taught growing up. I remember growing up as a young girl in a Christian school. This image was always plastered among posters in the first page of my Bible textbook. Okay, so these are found in Ephesians, Psalms, 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, Titus, and Genesis and Deuteronomy in terms of what I'm about to read to you. As women, our life's purpose is not to serve a husband, produce children, provide sex, being silent in churches. So basically, as women, our life's purpose is not to serve a husband. As women, our life's purpose is not to produce children. As women, our life's purpose is not to provide sex. Women will not be silent in churches. Women will not dress for men. Women will choose their life's path, whether it's a career, being a mother, being a housewife, being single, being married. It is their choice. Women will not see themselves unequal to men. Women are not the little helpers of men. Women are not one with their significant others Women are their own persons. Women are whole persons. Women are will be proud of their beauty. Women will not see their sex organs slash sex life as property slash their value. Happy International Women's Day, especially to all the strong people who are deconstructing the hate towards women integrated into our minds. Proud, you know, proud of this band of unapologetic black sheep found on this page on Instagram. Noah's Ark is a fairy tale. Change my mind. I tend to point out, I tend to pin out appointments. I'm sorry, I tend to pin out points from the morality side of the argument against Christianity. God is the real villain of the Bible. Why did God justify mass genocide, eugenics, sexism, slavery? Why does he demand worship and is jealous? I stand by saying, even if the gospel and book of Revelations are true, I will not lower my morals and worship such a cruel and unjust God. However, as science stands on the humanist side and is constantly debated. The foundation of Christianity is based on the idea that knowledge and asking questions is rebellion against God. 
When Job questioned God, God spent a full page ripping him apart for not having childlike faith. Eve was forbidden and punished for eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge. This is why Christians don't tend to question or doubt one of the most insane biblical stories, Noah's Ark. Or if they do, they act as if they don't. And a lot of them do, by the way. But I am not a Christian, so here are my questions. Where did Noah find enough wood in the Middle East to build a ship of that size? When did Noah learn how to build a ship? Who taught him? There were other people at the time who owned boats. What happened to them? How did the ancient Egyptians need an army of slaves to build the pyramids, but Noah just needed his three sons to build the ark? How did a family of eight care for all those animals? Why did a loving, caring God have to kill off all but two of every species? How did God decide which ones lived? What did those other llamas ever do to him? Assuming God killed off all the other people besides Noah's family, didn't he also murder a bunch of unborn babies? And if God can do it, how come the religious right says women today can't have abortions? Where did Noah's Ark go? We're never, we've never found the remains not on Mount Ararat, not anywhere. If you're not disturbed by the Bible, you're not reading it closely enough. I read the Bible over and over, read the mass murders, violence, and hate. Christianity suffers from the same case of Disney princess theology. As each individual reads the scripture, they see themselves as the princess of the story. They are the Esther, never Xerxes or Haman. They are the Peter, never the Judas. They are the women anointing the Pharisees. They are the Jews escaping slavery, never Egypt. They are Samson, never the thousands he killed. Dehumanizing the enemy, I believe, is the reason someone can read the Bible over and over and not find the Christian God, Yahweh, morally a villain. A God who acts to paint lambs' blood on the door so he knows which firstborn sons to kill and which to not. A God that places the, a God that places the forbidden fruit right in the Garden of Eden. A God that sends bears to murder 40 children. A God who turns someone's life partner into salt. Pillar of salt. A God who kills Onan for not impregnating his dead brother's wife. And that's why Christians get the stupid idea that masturbation is quote unquote sinful. A God who kills Job's wife and kids to win a bet against Satan. A God who forces a woman to marry their rapist, ask his rapists to just pay their fathers to justify rape. A God who threatened to make parents eat their own children. A God who destroys every man, woman, children, animal in Jericho. A God who kills all the Midianites expect the virgins he commands to be kept as sex slaves. A God who has Jephthah to burn his daughter alive as an offering a god that does authorize confusion changes all languages because he took offense to humans building a tower the tower of babel that was built after the same god chose choose to flood and destroy everyone in the world a god that allows people to be casted to hell dehumanizing the enemy is the reason the above incidents are justified by believers pleasure is not evil 
Your body is not evil. Your thoughts are not evil. Again, your thoughts are not evil. Purity culture can kiss our asses. The Tower of Babel, a little over a year ago, I began to doubt my Christian faith. The Bible I once read over and over, the values and ideas I held became confusing. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. When I would ask questions about the Bible or stuff in today's culture that did not align with the Bible, the answer I would be given is God is not the author of confusion. But God authored a lot of confusion. The Bible authors even... More confusion. The Tower of Babel is the post-Noah's flood biblical story where everyone on earth came together and built a tower. Years ago, my state, New Jersey, was hit by Hurricane Sandy. While driving through a beach town that took most of the damage, my mom commented on the NJ, um, you, you know, the NJ strung bumper stickers and pillars raising the houses higher off the ground. This was an act against God. This is a rebellion against trusting God. After flood, a com- a- after flood, as communities naturally adapt and strive for a sense of safety. However, we were taught to solely rely on God for everything. The Tower of Babel is a story about the entire world speaking one language, working together to create safety for the future, making a name for themselves and sticking together on this huge earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and this tower. The Lord said, that if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. Genesis chapter 11, verses 5 through 9. God authors confusion. God is threatened when humans coexist and work slash live together without confusion. Isn't that a contradiction? God is not an author of confusion, but he causes the authoring of linguistic confusion. Why is religion fixated on sex? If you control sex, you access shame, which allows you to control individuals and groups. Shame drives individuals to self-police and police others within the group explained perfectly. A lot of straight men don't like consensual sex. That is why they call sexually liberated women, quote unquote, easy. They much rather coerce you into having sex opposed to you immediately consenting. Ooh, they said more. Let's talk purity culture. Misogynistic purity culture. Under purity culture, women are taught their self-worth comes from their sex life. Their virginity is compared to objects. I went in depth about purity culture before and talked purity to me is an excellent page to check out. Let's talk about these tweets. Women who are comfortable with expressing their sexuality are often called sluts, cunts, tramps, hoes, whores, and easy. Now, why is this? Under purity culture, women are taught their sex organs are some sort of present in a box sacred diamond flower etc a sex organ is, is a sex organ it's okay to want to have sex it's okay to have sex 
The idea that a man should have to work to earn having sex with a woman is a pretty weird concept that has been normalized in our culture. I like this too. I think it's very interesting. It shows what has been normalized. There's an idea that men should go for the woman who doesn't put out right away and men should earn take on dates, flirt to having sex with her. This idea of earning sex, a woman says no or doesn't initiate, so a man continues to coerce. I know this usually isn't a dark thing, and I just am highlighting the concept of this. This goes on when a woman who consents right away is negatively stereotyped. Pretty gross. You were born with a sex organ, not some type of trophy. A beautiful sex organ there to use if you wish. Your life value does not come from whether you use your sex organ or not. Curiously, see what you think. Then it says nakedpastor.com. Wow, interesting website. All I was taught my whole life was that I could only want what you wanted, so I never knew what I wanted because I wasn't allowed to want anything except what you wanted. Now I still don't even know what I want, and I feel super guilty whenever I even consider wanting what I want in life. That's what many people feel like how they're being treated by Jesus in the process of leaving religion. Heaven sounds more like a North Korean dictatorship than a paradise. The Christian concept of heaven sounds like hell. You are surrounded by people who have hurt you, may have even killed you. As long as before they die, they repent and accept Jesus. You're rapists, murderers, and etc. there. You are in paradise knowing your friends and family are suffering. Someone you thought was a good person tortured. Does God brainwash you to forget about them? Your husband is no more. You don't need sex because you get all your pleasures from singing. Laugh out loud. Your earthly parents are your brothers and sisters now. There's no individuality. Sounds like a dystopia movie. I love my faults. They are a part of me. Are my stretch marks and wrinkles takeaways too? Your entire turn is spent worshiping and singing. Sounds like fun for an hour, laugh out loud, a billion years of singing, just worshiping God. I'm just picturing someone standing outside or Kim K's house with a boombox for 50 years straight. I went and planked and put all the those helmets on everyone in Bikini Bottom. Hell will definitely have the drama I find entertaining. Heaven just sounds like a place where nothing happens. Constant happiness sounds draining. This sounds like a cult where all the victims are drugged 24-7. If I've learned anything from Christianity is that the Abrahamic God is definitely the real villain of the Bible. What hero makes your eternal ward a, de a dedicated to worshiping him? At least in hell, I won't be worshiping a narcissistic. Just kidding. That doesn't exist. God's timing really conflicted with my own schedule. Things I wish I'd been told as a child. You are good, you are capable, you are worthy, said I heard. You are nothing without Jesus. Your heart is desperately wicked. You deserve to burn in hell.
there's more. Has the rainbow got you seeking shelter from the storm? On March 4th, LGBT Plus activists are protesting church teachers on BUY campus. Fam Proc. It said faithful members will show their support for the family proclamation by wearing BYU swag and carrying it or wearing an umbrella. Join us. When religious people claim they're being discriminated against because they aren't allowed to discriminate against others. Wow. I have so much to say about this, but I am just so truly disgusted. My old school sent out an email very similar to this. I'm debating posting how ridiculous it is. Wear an umbrella over you so that rain doesn't burst the bubble you live in. This is the quote-unquote free speech you hear them talk about so much. BYU is a college for adults, grown adults. Not that it makes a difference, but it definitely makes it even worse. It's almost like not everyone in the world lets a 2,000-year-old book dictate their entire life. I mean, props to them for just blatantly being homophobic and not hiding behind love the sinner, hate the sin. I'm surprised they didn't distinguish the stick figures as a straight family. Beware everyone, there are gays among the world. Grab your umbrella, mass genocide, incest, rape. Oh, teach that to your children in Sunday school. I grew up hearing adults say they just need Jesus when they observe someone unhappy or in their opinion making bad life choices. That phrase is out of touch with reality. Look at all the people who do have Jesus still look similar in situations to those without Jesus. Wow. Yes, they believe every form of therapy or self-help is not valid. Even self-help is a distraction from Jesus. I remember one in my family leaving to go to rehab and my mom saying they won't be able to help her because it is not a Christian rehab. The one way she can be helped is through being saved. Christians are taught to look at the world as having outsiders and insiders, in-groups, out-groups. When a Christian is struggling with someone for some reason, it seems completely different as a non-Christian struggling with the same thing. The Bible condones slavery. Growing up, believed the rapture could happen any day, completely stunned my ability to anticipate, imagine, or plan for the future. That's a doomsday cult. Living for today, not the promise of an audition for death, treating others of different religions the same. What do you think? What if there was no life after death? A lot of people, believers, will say you were never a real Christian. I bet a bunch of us have all heard this before. A real Christian would never leave. You're never a real Christian. John chapter 10, verse 27 to 28 says... I'm sorry, it helps me look back and understand, for lack of a better word, the sheepish mindset we had in the faith. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Years of daily devotionals, prayer, volunteer, Bible study, worship, and etc. Nope. 
They give themselves this power of controlling who is slash was a real Christian who is not. They can they tell your beliefs were invalid because they can't bring themselves to understand a rational person changing their mind. You aren't you aren't allowed to change your mind. You aren't allowed to think outside of what you are told. A sheep doesn't disobey their shepherd. There's a phrase for the argument. It's called the no true Scotsman fallacy. They can't deal with the problems of their theology. Therefore, the perfect way to distract themselves and others from these problems is to invalidate you. It is their way of, quote unquote, rationalizing. I hope the next time someone says this to you, you understand they were taught and conditioned to view the world as having outsiders and insiders in groups, out groups. Let these words not invalidate or impact you badly. If you believe at 50, which you believed at 15, then you have not lived or have denied the reality of your life. Someone named Layla says, I really believe God will break you down until you have no choice but to trust in him. Y'all need to call a hotline for your abusive relationships with your gods. The devil speaks, your God and I put all of our differences to rest. Now man's actions are his own, but man will blame us nonetheless. I'm either too lost or not lost enough. I think I'm too smart for this type of love. And I know God best is one with no crown. Jesus first is Satan is an illusion. Good and evil is inside us and it is ours to choose. God refers to demonic spiritual wars and being taking place. You are responsible for your own actions. Non-believers do not blame our mistakes on a spiritual attack. We own up to our mistakes and work on ourselves to improve. Instead of asking Sky Daddy for forgiveness and immediately getting a scenes of relief and fresh start, a humbling and immediately getting a scenes of relief and fresh start, a humbling reality. I just want to say that I am proud of the fact that I live a life of secular virtues. <laughs> 